All right, guys, welcome back to a very special episode of the Black Squadron podcast. Running a skeleton crew this time, it's just me, BP, and my main man, Cam. Yo! We um, decided a long time ago that when a new book came out, particular book that we wanted to review it and do like a little standalone episode like this and that book being the legends of luke skywalker manga um and that has come out (laughs) (laughs) uh so cam has it and he's thoroughly read it and reviewed it um viz media has been so kind as to send me a copy of it to review but it hasn't gotten to me yet so this will be the cam show so if you're a big cam fan you guys are in for a treat (laughs) (laughs) it kind of freaks me out thinking i may have fans so hopefully (laughs) if you're not a fan you can just turn off right now it's okay i totally yeah we'll see you guys at episode 12 (laughs) okay uh we can just uh hop right into it Uh, i guess if you want to let them know what this is yeah sure absolutely so uh during the journey to to the last jedi which was like a marketing uh push that was leading up to the movie um there was uh, a series of books released that also called the the journey to the, the last Jedi. Um, and in there, there was a book that was called the legends of Luke Skywalker. Um, basically real high level summary of it. There's a group of kids on a ship. Uh, they're kind of bannering around about stories that they've heard about Jedi and, you know, some kid named Luke Skywalker and stuff like that. Well, the cook on the ship actually knows a bunch of different stories. And so, uh, he tells six different stories to these kids uh, and between each story, it's kind of intersp- like he tells a story, then it goes back to the kids and they kind of talk about it a little bit. Then he tells another story and it just kind of goes on. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, looking back at The Last Jedi, it does a really good job of kind of making you realize that in the galaxy, people know Luke, but they don't know the actual Luke. Right. They only know these stories that people have told. He's larger than life. And it ties really nicely into the way that he felt about himself and why he was a failure in the last Jedi. Right. Mm-hmm. He, he, he thought that he had to be that bigger. Despite the fact that uh, it's impossible for him to ever meet those legends. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward to this year. Uh, and like you mentioned, Viz Media released uh, a, a manga version, which if you're not, uh, if you don't know what a manga is, basically it's uh, an anime style comic book. Um uh, they released that this year, which does a adaptation of four of those six books, uh, four of those six stories that the cook told uh, to those kids in the novel. Um, it's a little weird because it doesn't include the, the, any of the children or any of the, the fact that these are stories being told. It's just these four little stories in an animated style. Um, so what, what I'm planning on doing basically is I will kind of want to give you uh, a high-level uh, quick summary of what each of the stories are, and then I have some thoughts about uh, what each of those stories kind of represented and any kind of cool little tidbits, and then uh, you know we can kind of chat about it a little bit. And hopefully you guys are, are you know cool with a little bit of a review episode, and if you like it, let us know. Yeah, sounds good, man. Just feel free to jump right in. All right, cool. Um, so the first story uh, is called The Starship Graveyard. Um, basically, it, it jumps right into the Battle uh, of Jakku, um, which is one of the final battles between the Empire and the Rebellion. Um, there's an unnamed Imperial officer. That's basically the, the, main, sto- like the, the, the main character that we follow throughout the story. Um, and while he's trying to gun down some ships, 
the uh, Imperial Star Destroyer that he's on kind of malfunctions. And these holograms of Luke Skywalker kind of end up in his vision. Um, it's it's a little bit weird because it's like, why would it malfunction and why would it specifically show Luke's hologram? But again, just kind of go with it. It's, it's, it's a legend, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so he, he sees these, these uh, things. And at first he thinks it's like a, a Jedi coming to attack the, the Imperial Star Destroyer. Then he realizes it's just a malfunctioned hologram um uh, the 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 star destroyer takes enough damage that it eventually crashes um but he survives by using an escape pod but when he crash lands he's knocked out um when he wakes up uh there's a stranger there uh to to us viewers he looks very much like a stereotypical jedi he's in like the desert robe with the hood up but you can't see his face um uh, the stranger tells him that he's he's broken both of his legs, um, but basically that he's going to try to take care of him as best as he can. Uh, so he drags him through the desert on a stretcher while they're looking for safety. Uh, along the way, the stranger like shows a lot of um, uh, a lot more care to the officer than the officer would ever expect. Um, you, the stranger gives him the last of their rations. And then he uh, suddenly saves them from a sandstorm. Uh, both times, you know, the officer is like, whoa, this is not how the people in the Empire would treat me at all. Like, this mm -hmm. is entirely different. Um, eventually, they find safety in this. Uh, it's kind of weird. It's like a it's like a town built within like a, a rock mesa. Mm. Um, they, they, so they find safety there. Uh, and while they're kind of like trading about uh, a few things and, and trying to kind of hunker down a little bit, uh, there's this massive explosion that kind of racks the, the whole area that they're in. Turns out that the Star Destroyer, um, their, the reactors went uh, critical and exploded. Essentially, it, it turns all the, the, the sand around the, the Star Destroyer into molten glass. Um, so there's this giant wave of molten glass coming towards this settlement. Uh, really, really weird imagery. Uh, yeah. never, never seen anything like that done anywhere else. Um, now so, is, is the story in black and white or color? Uh, the, the whole manga is in color. Or I'm sorry, in, it's all in black and white. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it, the the art style of this story isn't my favorite. It's kind of got. I, I've seen some manga where, that does this before. It's kind of like stylized where everything looks um, drawn kind of quickly. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so uh, the, I'll, I'll get to it afterwards, but there's this really cool image of uh, the, the officer's uh, Imperial Star Destroyer. Instead of like crash landing flat around its side, it's actually straight vertical in the desert. Oh. Um, and it, it's actually a really cool image. They use that imagery quite a, a lot throughout the, the entire story. Oh, cool. um, and it looks really cool in black and white. Um, so this giant wave of molten glass is coming towards uh, the Mesa and it ends up surrounding um, the, 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 the village thing that they're, everybody's in. Um, but it doesn't actually engulf it. Right. But they're surrounding by this hot glass that can't, I mean, they can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so the, everybody's kind of running around. What are they going to try to do? The officers like, you know, this is it. This is going to be, you know, the end of it. And the stranger basically uh, is, tells everybody, you know, calm down. We've got this figured out. I I'm not 100% sure where these come from, but he pulls out these, like, 
hover ice skates kind of thing. Uh, and he puts them on and everybody's like, oh, that's insane. He can't withstand the heat. And uh, of course, the, the stranger can. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so as he's leading the people to safety, he walks out on the glass um, and the officer notices it's it's nighttime by that by the point that this is happening. Mm-hmm. And he notices that the night sky is reflected in the glass and it looks like the stranger is a skywalker, uh, <laughs> like one who walks in the sky, not the last name. Mm-hmm. Um which makes him then, of course, st- it makes him remember the the hologram of Luke Skywalker. Uh, and basically, at that point, it is revealed to us that the stranger is Luke Skywalker. Oh, um, no. Yeah. So uh, he, he asks the stranger afterwards. He, the, 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 the officer never sees uh, the stranger's face. Um, and in the novelization version of this, it's only we have to we're led to believe the stranger was luke skywalker in the manga we actually see that it is luke um that rescued this officer um so uh, there's a little piece after that though where the officer gets captured by the empire um and uh basically he starts getting tortured because like they they thought he was a deserter Mm -hmm. and because of the um the person that luke turned out to be and what the rebellion uh, kind of represents he fights back against the um, the Empire at that point um, and it kind of ends with him you know kind of realizing <laughs> that everybody can be Luke Skywalker oh yeah so and that that, that kind of that should give you like an idea of like what each, each of these stories are trying to drive towards yeah um, it's all about things other people can learn from Luke mm-hmm. or um an interesting way of look looking at Luke that maybe you haven't seen, you know, before. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so overall, I think that this is actually um, the weakest of, of the stories that they interpreted. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned before, I'm not a really big fan of the art style. I'm not crazy about the fact that the, the star destroyer kind of malfunctions and shows just so happens to show a hologram of Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, I, I wish I wish we had like a, a video proponent of this pod because I would love for a lot of people to see um, the, this image of the uh, Star Destroyer sticking straight up in the in the sand. It's it's really unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we could post if you want to take a picture, we could post it on our social media. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll take some uh, photos of, of the, the manga and we can maybe put it up um, when the episode goes live. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, uh, so one, uh, there's kind of two things that I thought kind of stuck out to this. Um, and again, it kind of, one of them requires you to either have the book or see the image, Mm -hmm. but there's a splash page where they show the title of the the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's actually the first Canon visualization of a new Republic Starhawk. Oh yeah. So, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, we've seen, I think we've seen the Starhawk, design in legends it just wasn't called a starhawk um but it basically it kind of looks like a big shield up front it looks like the the nebulon b frigates where how <laughs> the front of it's kind of long mm-hmm. um it looks like that and then the, the tail end of it is kind of thin but there's n- none of the other like the engines are just in line with the rest of the ship it's not like they don't hang down or anything else in the back interesting um, yeah i can take a picture of that and we can yeah. we can do that as well um 
and then another thing that kind of came to me is this is like the second or third time where uh, the the term skywalker rather than like the name skywalker has been mentioned mm-hmm. uh the first thing i thought of was uh thrawn mentioning the chiss fourth sensitives which in their language they call skywalkers yeah um at the time i don't think we knew that when the novel released um so looking back now uh i'm wondering if maybe they're kind of bearing a lead uh there yeah uh and then uh, one last thing so the the officer asks like i mentioned he 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 mentions uh or he asks luke are you luke skywalker and luke luke responds back with we're all luke skywalker and that's kind of the the saying that the officer uses to kind of turn himself around when the empire is interrogating him right we're all yeah. luke skywalker um and i thought that that feeds really nice nicely into kind of the the theme of the sequel trilogy where anybody can be the hero it it doesn't matter if you are luke skywalker or if you're not you know if you have somebody you can look up to you can perform the same way yeah so so that's the that's the first uh, of the four stories. Um, like I mentioned, I think it's kind of the weakest of the four. Mm-hmm. Um, the second story is called I Droid. Uh, this one's as the stories go on, they get a little bit more and more crazy uh, <laughs> to the point where sometimes they, they kind of exist on the line between legends and canon. Um this one's not too bad. The next two are really far out there. <laughs> They're great, though. They're a lot of fun. <clears throat> I, uh, I read one review, and I think I know exactly which one you're talking about. <laughs> I, I, if it's the one you think it is, uh, that one is actually my favorite story of the four. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, iDroid, um, it starts off where we're introduced to a construction droid named Zeta. Um, she's been captured and is forced to, she's basically got a, uh, uh, a restraining bolt put in and they, they override her normal, um, capabilities, uh, to make her an enforcer droid down in this mine. Um, the mines can't be worked by humans or sentience. Uh, the, the something about the, either the rock is acidic or the air down there is acidic. And mm-hmm. it, it basically, if a human were to go down there unprotected, completely unprotected, they would start um, taking, you know, we, it'd be, it'd be, they'd die. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so bad that even the droids that work down there can only work down there for a short amount of time before they actually break down themselves. Wow. Um, so, uh, of course, R2-D2 is captured as well and is working in the mind. Mm-hmm. Um so as as Zeta is watching the 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 um all these other droids working, some droids kind of get out of line. R two D two being one of them because he's stubborn and you know he's also broken out of his uh, restraining bolt, so he's not acting the way that he should be. <laughs> Classic R <laughs> two. Yep, exactly. And uh, it, basically, the the point of that is that we see from Zeta's perspective that she's still fighting off this. Um, I don't remember what it's called. It's some sort of chip that they they use to override her normal programming, and the the normal Zeta is kind of fighting off these ideas of violence and keeping the droids in line and stuff. So she's not mindless. She's she knows what she's doing, but she doesn't like what she's doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, one day a, a port- protocol droid comes in, but he acts kind of strange. 
Um, he, he, I mean, like he acts like you would imagine. It's very much kind of a C-3PO. I mean, he looks exactly like C-3PO, but um, because it's in black and white, I, I, I can only imagine he's not gold. I, yeah. I, I, in my mind, I see him as silver. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, eventually he gets brought down to the mines um, and Zeta notices that, that uh, the droid's kind of talking weirdly to R2. It's not just the normal protocol astromech talk it's it's far more animated uh-huh. um and zeta basically doesn't like it so it engages her she engages her her uh, enforcer mode so basically this protocol droid and zeta start fighting um while that's that's happening she i think she it, i think it looked like she dropped like uh, a slab of metal on the um the protocol droid's head which causes the uh, the the shell of the protocol droid to break, revealing, you guessed it, Luke Skywalker. So <laughs> Luke Luke is inside the shell of a protocol droid down in this mine, trying to rescue R two. Um, he he pulls a lightsaber <laughs> and he uh, disables Zeta, but doesn't destroy her. Um, and he basically R two's like, you know, what the hell are you doing? Why don't you just kill her outright? Because this is a problem. And uh, Luke is like, no, I can still sense the good in her. I can tell that it's not, you know, this isn't who she actually is. Um, he repairs her from the point that, like, to the point that she, the override chip doesn't work anymore. So she's back to the normal Zeta. Um, and she notices that that's, because of her experience, that's different to her, right? She's mm-hmm. never seen uh, a human or an organic treat um, a droid that way. Yeah. Um, she she warns him that other enforcers are going to come. Uh, they do. It's actually really really cool. It's one of my favorite parts of this scene. It's actually a modified uh, B, a super battle droid, Ooh. and a pair of magna guards. Uh, so, yeah, nice little throwback to the to the prequel trilogy. Um, and uh, you know Luke doesn't want to destroy all these droids because he realizes that they're they're all acting. Uh, they're all forced to act this way. None of them actually wanted to act this way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when Zeta kind of regains her consciousness, uh, she tells him that this chip can be uh, modified. There's like one physical like lever on the chip that needs to be turned. Um, and then it basically turns itself off. Um, so Luke in probably one of the bigger, I mean, it's not force projection, strength like force use Mm -hmm. but without seeing all the droids he turns every enforcer droids chip off at once oh Uh, yeah so the entire mind revolts after that all of the droids are you know basically fuck you people who brought us down here we're gonna (laughs) go you know smash heads and stuff so it's like the kessel riot it's basically the kessel riot yeah um so after after that kind of quiets down um uh, Zeta gets repaired fully by Luke. Uh, he replaces her hand. Uh, they actually have kind of like a, a a sweet little moment where he's like, he's like, hey, how does that feel? And she's like, you know, it, it doesn't feel the same. It's not my hand, but I'll get used to it. And he kind of lifts up his robotic hand. Uh, he's like, yeah, I know what you mean. Thing, right? Yeah. Basically, the story ends realizing that um, as a human. Luke Skywalker can be good, but not only is he a good human, but he's also a good droid, which is unique to her, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is, it, it's, 
I really think the first story is is not just my least favorite, but it's actually just a weak story to begin with. Mm-hmm. This one, I, I, I like the story overall. Um, uh, it's definitely like leaps and bounds above the first one, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's still not my favorite of the four. <clears throat> um, it's really, really easy to feel bad for Zeta. Um, she's very relatable and they do a really good job of, hu- of humanizing her. Um, the artwork is much, much better than the first one. <laughs> and at one point, the protocol, uh, Luke in the protocol costume, uh, looks at R2 or looks at Zeta. I can't remember, but the protocol droid winks, which <laughs> is something you never, you know, you never, I, I don't think protocol droids actually have any kind of servos in their eye. Yeah. But it's just funny that to see a protocol droid wink. So it's actually something that's, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, there's a point where Zeta is holding Luke, like, uh, still in, in one of her hands. Mm-hmm. And all the other droids are kind of standing around like, oh, shit, this is really, really real. And you just <laughs> see, like, R2, like, go flying in front of all the droids to try to save him. It's it's really, really funny um, in the in the in the manga. So <clears throat> just overall, based on just just based on your your description, I'm excited to read this particular one. Yeah, th- this this is a, a really like I said, the first one is kind of eh. this is actually a solid story. It's told really well. The artwork, uh, I think, does a lot of favors for it. And again, it's it's something you've never really seen before. It's something you've never seen um, Luke get put in that situation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to see a, a droid kind of come away with, with a different viewpoint of humans uh, and droids, actually, uh, just in general. Yeah. So, um, so that's the second story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third one, this... <laughs> This is my favorite story of the four. Uh, it is absolutely freaking ridiculous. Uh, this one, literally, if it, if it wasn't published by Disney, I would say this has got to be Legends. Um, so the only way that I make this work in my head is that it's because the character that I'm going to talk about here is telling the story to someone. So because it's a retelling, he's exaggerating it. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, one of the reviews I read said, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so this one's called uh, The Tale of Lugubrious Moat. Um, essentially, the long and short of it. This one's really nice because I don't have to do like a big summary of it. Basically, it's a retelling of the beginning of Return of the Jedi. All of the uh, Jabba the Hutt stuff. Uh, the difference is... Uh, <laughs> the whole thing's told from the perspective of a mole flea of Kowak uh, named Logrubius Moat who lives on Scalacious B. Crumb, uh, the little Kowakian monkey lizard that, Jaw- uh, that Jabba has as, as a pet. Um, if, if you don't know who Scalacious B. Crumb is, he's the little laughing monkey guy. <laughs> um, so, yes, just to repeat that, a flea that lives on the monkey lizard telling the story. Uh, <laughs> the, the long and short of it is he basically is the reason why Leia got out of the situation she did, that Luke was able to beat the Roncor, that Han was like, okay, he basically is the hero of the story, the way, the way he tells it. Um uh, it, basically he jumps like onto Leia and introduces he can he speaks he speaks uh, basic 
Um, he's intelligent, uh, and he jumps onto Leia and basically is like, hey, you want to get out of here? And he tells her, like, you know, all this different stuff. When Luke comes, he jumps into his hair. Um, it's actually it's actually really funny because while <laughs> while Luke is fighting the Roncor, he thinks the voice he's hearing is actually, like, the spirit of a long-dead Jedi instead of, you know, a flea that's in his hair. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. But it's actually really nice to see a, a story where Star Wars isn't afraid to kind of take the piss out of itself. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really great. There were a couple times I actually laughed out loud, both because <laughs> of the artwork and just because of how absolutely ridiculous the whole idea is. Um, uh, so overall, this is my favorite story. Uh, it actually has the best artwork, in my opinion, out of the four. Um, like I mentioned, the levity of the story is great. It's, it's it, it, seriously, it is hilarious as, as, uh, if you were a, just a basic star Wars fan and by, I don't mean basic in a, in a bad way. I just mean like yeah. in the movies, yeah. this definitely, you can still definitely understand what's going on because you've seen the stuff that happens in return of the Jedi. So you mm-hmm. know how absolutely insane it is to think that a flea is the reason why all this worked out. Um, there's a really great spread on the Roncor. Uh, when when it first shows up and the art style on it is killer like it looks like almost like this demon it's amazing mm. um so that's that's really great i guess we should we should point out that the uh, the artists who work on who worked on this are very well known artists in japan i believe oh really okay i have uh, their names so if 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 that would help i could definitely mention them um maybe towards the end cuz they're going to be a mouthful <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i only have their last names oh, okay. no i i have their full names um, but yeah, so the art, the artwork on, on that one is, is killer. Um, and seriously, if there's one, if there's one story that, that you hear out of this review that you're kind of like, huh, maybe I should listen to it or like go get that book. Mm-hmm. This is the one for me alone that sells this book. So, okay, uh, yeah. So that's, that's the third one. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> the fourth and last one, maybe not quite as insane as the tale of the grubius moat um but still pretty far out there um that would be an incredible band name <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the tale of the grubius moat yep that would be great um so this this fourth story is called big inside um uh this one's kind of a little bit different than the other ones where Luke just kind of comes out of the, the, the gate right off the bat. So we know it's Luke that we're talking about. It's not like it's um hidden. He's not hidden anywhere in the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this researcher. I don't think she goes named. Um, I, I think, I think she's totally unnamed in the story. So I just refer to her as researcher throughout this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basically the, the university she works for doesn't have a lot of money. So yeah, she's got she got sent out to this planet to do all this research on animals um, and she she just completed it. So she has to set up like this, uh, like SOS to get like random people to try to take her back to the university because the university can't afford to send somebody out there to get her. Um, and so, of course, Luke picks her up. Um, one of the unique things there is actually he's flying an A-wing at this point. Ugh. Love A-Wings. <laughs> yes. And he, he actually modified it so it's a two-seater. Um, so he's able to take her along with him. He, he basically is like, hey, yeah, I'll take you back to university. Um, while he's flying there, there's these strange space lights that lure them into a cave in the asteroid. 
Um, and then as a giant callback to Empire Strikes Back, uh, the cave turns out to be an exogorth, oh. uh, one of the giant space worms. Um, the rest of the story basically takes place while they're in this exogorth. And it's hinted at that they've probably been in there for a while. Like, it's probably any place between, like, two weeks and three months that they're oh, wow. in this thing. Yeah. Um, it ends up being almost like this Legend of Zelda-esque, like, cave puzzle temple thing that they're in. Um, there's this, like, mysterious writing that they find on the walls that they can't really read. Um, it, 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 there's a lot of, there's a lot of little things that don't really tie into the overall story of it. For instance, they, they come into a room that it ends up being the, the Exegorth's stomach. And there's these uh, types of Minox that have been like they've evolved to live inside Exogorth stomachs in specific, but they're more spiky and dangerous and stuff. Ooh. So, of course, they have to fight all of them and whatever. They make a they make a boat out of the, the Minox wings and a skull. That's kind of cool. Yeah, because it, it's it's actually resistant to the the Exogorth stomach acid. Oh, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's practical. Yeah, <laughs> practical. Uh so after after like a period of time, they stumble onto this room where there are these statues of um, three different uh, people. Well, one's a female humanoid. The other two are kind of insectoid. They're, they're still they still are humanoid in shape, but they both have like these insectoid heads. Um, he touches Luke touches the statues and basically they speak to him and they are what they call themselves mist weavers. Um, the mist in their uh, language is essentially the force. So they're like thousands of years old uh, force users. Um, they explain to Luke like how they got brought into the Exogorth and they spent so much time in there that they figured out how to, they basically describe it as putting themselves in a cocoon of the mist, basically um, kind of like putting themselves in hibernation um, for a period of time until somebody can release them. Um, and so the researcher and Luke, of, co of course, are trying to find a way out of the Exogorth and the mist weavers say, well, we know how to get you out of here. We can get you out of here, but to do that, you have to destroy the statues, which will destroy us. And it sends Luke into this kind of existential crisis about like, you know, uh, the, the value of their sacrifice. And it reminds him of, of Ben killing himself. Well, Ben letting Vader cut him down in mm -hmm. uh, on the Death Star, and he 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 takes it very very hard because you know he's like basically it's like what if if Ben didn't sacrifice himself I wouldn't still be alive at the same time I would rather Ben was alive so he could be here and help me in this journey right yeah yeah um eventually he kind of comes around to the fact that because the sacrifice that they view the sacrifice. Um, that they would be the, the, the Mistweavers view their sacrifice as noble, and because they view it as noble, it's worthy. Um, so Luke, it, it's kind of a little bit of like a why would I deny them that? Yeah. But also, like, we need, to get, <clears throat> we need to get the hell out of this Exogorth. Um, <laughs> so he ends up slashing this with the light. After, after that happens, they basically end up, they just wake up outside uh, in their ship essentially um yeah uh and then by then um he talks to the researcher again 
she says that instead of now focusing on any animals, she's actually going to focus on researching exogorths in specific. Um, just as like a little bit of a, you know, haha kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Luke is, like is thinking about it, he realizes that he he's found more peace in the force by understanding that sometimes sacrifice through the force is what's needed to resolve certain situations. Uh, so that kind of ties into last Jedi. Exactly. Um, that that's that's kind of. I think that that's the the big point of Big Inside, mm-hmm. and I actually think that that's actually the big point of the entire uh, Legends of Luke Skywalker novel and uh, the manga. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Inside is the last story in both of them, so I think you know, looking at it as something before Last Jedi, the main point you're going to come off of at the end is that sometimes sacrifice is needed um, for the greater good. Yeah, and uh, you know, of course, I'm. I would hope all of us would have seen uh, Last Jedi, but if you haven't, spoiler alert: Luke dies at the end. But it's because <laughs> he he sacrifices himself for for Ray and the greater yeah. good. Yeah. Um. There's so my review of it. Uh, I like Big Inside. Uh, it's I, I have a hard time imagining the inside of an Exogorth. So I. <laughs> I would probably place this as my second favorite one. Yeah. But, but it's not as fun as Lagrubia Smoke. And I don't think it's as clearly done as iDroid was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the artwork is probably the second best out of the series. Um, there's some some pretty funny jokes in here. It's kind of hinted at that, that uh, Luke actually kind of had the hots for the researcher. Oh. Uh, at one point, they're talking about like, when they're floating on the stomach acid um he's saying she says something like we're gonna die in here how can you be so carefree about this stuff you should just stop the raft here and i'll just roll into the lake and uh luke looks at her and it's drawn in that very anime style where he's got like small eyes and no nose and he's tugging at his like collar like hey you know (laughs) uh he's like well and it's funny too because the writing is is written in almost like a sarcastic uh, tone rather than the rest of the writing mm-hmm. and he, he says you should probably remove your suit because it might not be healthy for our host and it's just <laughs> it's just funny because he's like hey if you want to get naked um, uh, so that that's 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 really funny uh i love the mist weavers i think that that's a really cool idea and disney has done uh some different he, they've brought like different kinds of force users in so seeing another type of force users pretty interesting yeah and I really, really love, like, Lagrubius Mo. I love because of how funny it is. Mm-hmm. I love this story because of the message of the Force and yeah. driving home the point of, um, you know, the power of sacrifice. Yes. Um, so that's that's the four. Uh, that's the four stories. That's the, the overall uh, review of Luke Skywalker, the, the manga. Um, I would say if it's something, if you like manga, definitely pick it up. Um if you're interested in any of these stories, uh, I would say pick this up or pick up the legends of Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, the novel. What is this? I was going to ask you, is this particular art style, the manga is something that you were easily able to adapt to? Did you, did it take you some time uh, to fully get comfortable while reading it? Do you think that anybody would have issues with it? Um, so I think it's going to depend on your experience with um, Japanese style art and Japanese style animation. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've never watched any kind of anime, I can definitely see how maybe the art style might throw you off. Uh, thankfully uh, in the U S they bound the book left to right. So you mm. don't have to like 
you know, turn the pages the opposite direction or, or read in the opposite direction. You don't have to read right, left, uh, up, down. It's just yeah. left, right. Like, like, you know, we read in the, in, in the U S mm-hmm. um, the, I think the art style, especially because they start off with, in my opinion, the weakest art style. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could be a turnoff, but mm-hmm. once you get through that story, I think it kind of, uh, helps more. Um, I'd say I'd say if you're used to, to anime or manga or probably comics, I, I think it'd be easier to get into. If you've never touched any of those, this could be a harder sell. Um, I, I could I could see if if you're not if you're interested in the stories, but you don't think the manga is a good thing for you, mm-hmm. I would recommend picking up the book instead. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you want to try something new, something a new flavor to your Star Wars, it sounds like this is perfect. Yeah, and they—it's actually not the first manga that they've done. They released uh, Lost Stars, which yeah, I is going to mention that. Yeah, it's probably one of the. It's it's probably in the top five best new canon books that Disney has released. Yep. Um, and they released uh, a, a three volume manga in that. Um, I also know that they are uh, in Japan. They re- already released it. I think they're talking about releasing it over here, but the um. Princess of Alderaan uh, book. Mm. Uh, it's a young adult book about Leia before she's actually the princess. Yep. Um, they're doing a manga of that as well. Um, so they've they've brought a lot. This is something that they're planning on doing, right? Yeah. It's 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 a cool way to kind of get a different flavor of things you might have read. I like it because it gives me a little bit more visualization of the things that I've already seen. Well, mm-hmm. the things I've already read. Yeah. Um, I like having that idea of seeing who I'm talking about or seeing the things that they're referencing. You know. Yeah. I mean, manga is huge. Like, you go to any Comic Con, there's literal booths of just manga. Right. So if, right. Star, if Star Wars and Disney can get into that market, like I, they clearly want to, I mean, that's a huge win for them. Um, I'm I'm a visual artist. So I love the idea of another medium for me to consume Star Wars with. So I'm pretty yeah. excited for my copy to arrive. Yeah, it's it's um I think it's I think it's overall it's a solid book. Um if if you're interested definitely pick it up. Cool. And if you guys want to pick it up, I I looked on Amazon. I do all my book shopping on Amazon, so if you guys don't use Amazon, you should. <laughs> um <laughs> the digital Kindle version is only $10 for this particular manga book. Oh, that's and, not bad. And um the paperback is 14. It's 13 and some change, but it's 14 bucks prime. Yep. Um, so if you want to pick it up, uh, it's easily accessible on Prime. <laughs> yeah, perfect. And I, I don't know if we need to say a disclaimer about this or not, so I'll just go ahead and throw it in here at the end. We were not paid by Viz Media. Uh, you know, um, BP asked for a review copy, but we're not sponsored by them or anything like that. This is just a completely independent review of their work. Yep, absolutely. And we are very appreciative of Viz Media for the copy. And uh, of Star Wars in general. <laughs> <laughs> Always. We, we try to be positive here on B, uh, BSB. Absolutely. Cam, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to read it and review it for us. So uh, you're greatly appreciated, sir. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I, I love doing this stuff. And if you guys like, you know, hearing review episodes or if you'd like me to do more of this or whatever, just, you know, let us know on social media. I, I'm more than glad to do stuff like this. Awesome. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, on episode 12 coming up next week. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, Cam. (laughs) Yep, no problem. See you.